Welcome to the Confluence Investment Management Bi-Weekly Geopolitical Report for March 6th, 2023. Confluence has been suggesting for some time now that the world is in the process of fracturing into two competing economic and political blocs, one led by China, the other by the United States. If this is true, will the dollar remain the world's reserve currency? Should we be alarmed if it doesn't? And should our long-term investment strategy change as a result? We'll spend a few minutes today discussing these questions with Confluence Chief Market Strategist Bill O'Grady. Bill, one recent event in particular has gotten your attention and is a catalyst for our discussion today on the future of the dollar. But before we get to what appears to be a developing relationship between China and Saudi Arabia, let's set the stage. What key events led the dollar to become the world's reserve currency in the first place? Well, Phil, if you look at history, we have seen a series of primary currencies in the world. Usually, whatever nation was seen as the most powerful saw their currency used around the world. It could be argued that the British pound was the first modern reserve currency. Although the pound was backed by gold, it was widely used without a holder demanding gold. After World War I, the UK struggled to return to its pre-war eminence. The dollar was being used more often in a reserve capacity, but the US wasn't interested in taking on that global role. So a case could be made that we had an unmanaged reserve currency system from 1918 to 1944. In 1944, at Bretton Woods, the dollar was formally established as the world's reserve currency. The U.S. had the largest economy and arguably the strongest military. It, along with the Soviet Union, was a hedgeman. And how did the need for oil play a major role in the dollar's emergence? Well, the oil hegemonic intersection is, I think, underappreciated. Most economists tend to skip over the role of energy, but if you overlay the chart showing the breakdown of the types of energy consumed to world GDP, which also shows increased overall energy consumption, the fit's pretty tight. In effect, the creation of goods and services is, greater or lesser, the transformation of energy. When the European powers, who generally ruled the world before World War I, began to shift from coal to oil, they quickly discovered they were in a vulnerable position. There's ample reserves of coal in Europe, but not a whole lot of oil. They tried to secure oil by establishing colonies where there were oil reserves, but securing these areas turned out to be difficult. On the other hand, Russia and the U.S. had lots of oil, although having oil didn't guarantee hegemonic status, it sure made it easier. Bill, another basic question. How does the dollar's status as the world's reserve currency benefit the United States today? Well, the primary benefit is that the U.S. can buy the world's goods and services by simply creating money. Money is is created either by the process of banks making a loan or the federal government running a deficit. Having the reserve currency means you get these things just by printing money. The Economist magazine describes it as writing checks that no one ever cashes. The reserve currency status tends to support asset markets in the U.S. What about drawbacks? Well, there are clear distribution effects. Because the world needs dollars, the most effective way to gather dollars is to run a trade surplus with the U.S. American businesses face unfair trade practices by design. 
So anyone in these industries that competes with imports is facing unwithering competition. The Rust Belt is a clear indication of the drawbacks. The reserve status also distorts U.S. financial markets. There is always an ample level of saving available to the U.S. economy, and this level of saving, if it rises, can lead to asset bubbles. During the early aughts, Alan Greenspan would discuss the conundrum where the Fed was raising rates, but it wasn't having a negative impact on investment or asset prices. This was because the rest of the world was building foreign reserves and was flooding the U.S. market with saving. Bill, you make the argument that the weaponization of the dollar by the United States in recent years has led other countries to consider alternatives to the dollar. Can you explain? Well, it all started with Iran. Once the U.S. applied financial sanctions on Tehran, Iran found it couldn't easily sell its oil on global markets. Anyone who paid Iran in dollars would usually touch the U.S. financial system. This act by itself would trigger sanctions. For the U.S., this wasn't a big deal because we haven't imported oil from Iran since the Iranian Revolution in 1979, but for Europe, this was a big problem. And despite attempts to create a payment system outside the SWIFT network, Europe was denied Iranian crude oil. Now, as a reminder, the SWIFT network is a bank messaging network that facilitates global transactions between banks. It's the backbone of the U.S. dollar reserve system. There's an old saying that one event is circumstance, two is a trend. When Russia made a full-scale invasion of Ukraine, the U.S. implemented broad financial sanctions on Russia that effectively rendered their foreign reserves worthless. Russia, fearing U.S. sanctions anyway, had diversified their holdings into euros or gold, but American sanctions effectively turned these assets to being unsellable as well. For the rest of the world, the current dollar system works really well. Dollar markets are deep with a wide variety of financial products available, transactions are cheap and efficient. But what the experience of Iran and Russia show is that any time a nation finds itself at odds with the U.S., there's a risk that foreign reserves will become frozen. Now, part of our focus today is on these recent meetings between China and Saudi Arabia, and the circle has come around again to oil. The need for oil helped create and drive demand for dollars in past years. And now it appears China would like to buy Saudi oil with its own currency, a petro-yuan exchange. This seems on the face of it to be pretty radical. What problems facing China might be addressed by going this route? Well, for every nation in the world except the United States, a country has to acquire dollars to buy oil, which is priced in dollars. China would like the ability to buy oil in its own currency. Now, that would clearly benefit China, as Beijing would not need to run a trade surplus with the U.S. to get those dollars. But how would Saudi Arabia benefit? Well, there's the rub. China's financial markets are not completely open. It's quite possible that an investment in China might be frozen by Beijing. And even if you had faith in China's capital markets, the degree of product availability is far less. On the other hand, China is the world's largest importer of crude oil, and Saudi Arabia would like to dominate that market. Allowing China to use its own currencies would likely favor Saudi oil sales. Bill, do you think that China may eventually want a complete replacement of the dollar system? 
No, not at least in how the U.S. has practiced its management of the reserve currency. China doesn't want to run current account deficits or lose control of financial inflows or outflows. But it would like a system that would allow it to trade without being dependent upon having dollars. Instead, China appears to be building commodity exchanges that would allow nations to buy or sell commodities on these exchanges and pay or receive in a variety of currencies or in gold. Would a digital currency help China reach its goals? Well, it would. In watching cryptocurrencies, it can be hard to see a use case. In a modern financial system, most transactions are already digital. The fact that Bitcoin is preferred by the criminal element is no accident. Lucrative criminal activity is plagued by the problem of managing currency. If a nation wants to create a payment system outside the dollar and SWIFT, it's really difficult. Nations have tried with little success. There is a first-mover advantage and the dollar enjoys that benefit. But a digital currency would facilitate transactions outside the U.S. dollar system. Thus, not only is the use of a local currency necessary to avoid dollar sanctions, so is a payment system. A digital currency would allow for that. Now, this idea of a petro-yuan has divided analysts and economists. Some feel that, yes, it could work as an alternative to the dollar system. What are the arguments on their side? Well, the weaponization of the dollar gives nations an incentive to develop a parallel system for clearing foreign investment and trade. The system won't work like the existing dollar system. Instead, it will likely use commodities or gold as the reserve asset and use a digital currency to facilitate transactions. It won't be as efficient as the current system, but it will likely reduce the effectiveness of dollar sanctions. Now, looking at the other side, some economists call this idea of replacing the dollar as the world's reserve currency far-fetched. What are the arguments on their side? Well, there are two primary criticisms. The first is that the U.S. supports the dollar system by running current account deficits, which supplies dollars to the world at the cost of higher U.S. unemployment in import-competing industries. There is no evidence that any other nation in the world is inclined to do this. The second is that the U.S. has not just deep and open financial markets, but a financial system that not only offers lots of investment choices, but a broad spectrum of derivative products for hedging. You know, a parallel system will just not be as efficient as the existing dollar system. Bill, what do you predict? Well, I think we're going to see two systems in place with a spectrum of usage. Some nations clearly on the outs with the U.S., such as Iran and Russia, will only have the non-dollar clearing system available to it. Other nations with uncertain relationships with the United States, such as Saudi Arabia, will likely use both systems. Those nations allied with the U.S. will probably use the dollar system exclusively. I don't think the world can unsee what the U.S. did to Iran and Russia, so a nation like China will want an alternative. At the same time, the dollar system supports expanding global trade. It isn't likely this parallel system will foster expanding trade. So how might the transition of the dollar away from its current dominance impact economic policy here in the United States? Well, it will reduce dollar demand, which will probably force the U.S. to rely less on foreign saving. That won't necessarily be good for investors and could lead to higher taxes, a smaller fiscal deficit, or austerity. It probably leads to higher interest rates and maybe more inflation. But we will likely see more physical investment in the U.S. with a resurgence of industry. Thus, those areas of the countries have been losers to globalization will likely benefit.
do you think the American public is or will be on board? Well, like most things in today's world, some will, some won't. The capital-owning class will likely see the end of dollar hegemony as a tragedy. For those who've seen the last four decades as tragedy, they will see nothing but benefit. Which investments might benefit from this transition of the dollar? Well, we want to begin this section with a note of caution. This is such a big change that surprises are certainly possible. But we think this will be bad for long-duration assets, bullish for short-duration ones. What does that mean? Well, it's bad for bonds and growth stocks, good for near-cash instruments, and value stocks. Commodities will likely benefit, as will gold. International investments have traditionally done well with a weaker dollar. We suspect they will do well in this episode, too. Finally, Bill, what should investors who want to follow this story pay close attention to? It's a really good question. Probably gold is worth watching. If gold begins to do better than we would expect, it would suggest that nations are preparing for the new currency regime by purchasing gold. We are already seeing increased gold purchases by central banks. The system China is trying to create will likely rely on gold heavily. Thank you, Bill. Our discussion today is based upon sources and data believed to be accurate and reliable. Opinions and forward-looking statements expressed are subject to change without notice, and this information does not constitute a solicitation or an offer to buy or sell any security. Our engineer is Dane Stoll. I'm Phil Adler.